Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Global Grads. This is our fifth episode. I can't believe we have so many out already, and we have a really good one for you today. Uh, today, we have Cindy Morris-Stock, a PhD in natural science, and we're so excited to have her here. Cindy, welcome to the show. Hi, Liam. Thank you. Thank you, Reis, too. Uh, thank you for having me here. It's an absolute pleasure. We're so excited to, uh, to chat to you a little more. So Cindy, do you want to tell us a little more uh, about yourself, where you're from, and how you ended up at Western? All right. I'm originally from Chile um, in South America, and I ended up studying seismology, geophysics, in, at the University of Chile. Then I decided I wanted to do a master's in the same university, and I decided I wanted to go out and conquer the world. So I, <laughs> I went to Germany for five years to do a PhD. Then I went back to Chile to sort of pay the scholarship I, I was awarded to do that, that postdoc. Uh, sorry, to do that uh, PhD. I did a postdoc in Chile, and then with my partner, we decided we wanted to be together in some place in the world and Western um, offered that opportunity here in Canada. And so I came here to Western to do another postdoc and now we will see what, the <laughs> what life uh, brings us. Fantastic. So your, your life experiences are truly indicative of what we're trying to do with this, with this segment on the podcast. So to start, seismology, that is mm -hmm. the study of earthquakes and tectonic plates, right? Yes. So um, geophysics, it's a broad um, topic that studies the physics of the earth. So the, the, the physics behind the processes. And one of those topics is seismology, which is um, all that it's waves in the earth. So um, like inside the earth, not waves like uh, uh, ocean waves, but rather um, cracks and fractures that uh, release energy and that energy travels along the, the medium like inside the earth. And so with seismology, you can study basically how they, how they, um, how they occur, where they are occur, occurring, um, what are the processes behind it. And then you can mix it up with a little bit of geology and say, uh, what's the risk for people? Um, what is um, happening, like the outcomes for from an earthquake, like a tsunami? Um, and then you can go on and so forth with whatever you want to do with risk analysis and um, with disasters and, and uh, resilience studies and so on. So Cindy, you obviously taught me, so I do know a little bit more of your backstory because yeah. you are you taught two of my classes and probably one of the best classes that I took at Western. Um, how did you uh, how did you find this interest? Like usually when people mention geology, like the study of earthquakes, volcanology is like one of those first things that people say, like, oh, you study volcanoes, oh, you study earthquakes. Mm -hmm. How did you get into like seismology and geophysics? Like by chance, <laughs> I was. I, I, I'm definitely not that that sort of people that say, oh, I wanted to be a seismologist or I wanted to be something uh, when I was a kid and that's what I pursued later in life. Um, I actually had different um, ideas of what I wanted to do when I finished school. When I got into the university, I actually wanted biotechnology and my scores in the test to get into uh, biotechnology 
um, were not enough. And so I to go directly into biotechnology. So I had this course to go into engineering and the engineering faculty in Chile in, at the University of Chile is the uh, Faculty of uh, Mathematical and Physical Sciences. And that faculty offers you like a, like a two and a half years was in that at that time of pure mathematics and physics. And then you follow your engineering in something like in biotechnology, in mechanics, engineering, uh, let's say um, computer engineering, computer sciences, mathematical engineering and so on and so forth. And so among those things, there was biotechnology. So I said like, okay, I can go there and I can study that later. But then I decided uh, when I got into biotechnology, I wanted to actually play with stuff and like make little bombs and things that exploded. But what they teach you there was not that, it was uh, kind of like, how do you build the processes in, uh, let's say in a, in, a, in a lab to get to do something. You didn't actually play with any kind of a things. It was like, that's boring, like I want something else. And then I started looking something else and I had like four or five options. I wanted physics, but it was like too abstract. I wanted uh, astronomy but it was like too far away, like too outside this world. I wanted to keep my, my feet on the ground. Um, geologists back then, uh, they were really like very, I would say too relaxed for me. Um, <laughs> and so it was like, uh, no, maybe not. And, and there was geophysics. And geophysics, there was this great uh, professor there uh, Diana Comte, she was my, my um, master thesis advisor. And she spoke with so much passion about the earthquakes. And it was a, I, I was actually afraid of earthquakes when I was a kid. And she explained it like where, why did we have earthquakes in Chile? Uh, where do they come from? Why do these things happen? Uh, what we can avoid them, but we can actually protect ourselves from them. And it was like, wow, this is really mind blowing. I want to study this. It's funny how you went from a very like seismic, very heavy, like there's oh, like earthquakes and volcanoes in Chile. And then you go to Germany where there's like, no, there's not really much. And then you go, you come to Canada. And I think the last earthquake that we had was in Quebec. Like there's nothing, we got nothing going on here. <laughs> well, there was, I think there was one like a three point something, four point something a couple of weeks ago. I think I, yeah. I saw it in the news, but I mean, it's cute. <laughs> they're cute over here. They're fun. Yeah, they're so small. <laughs> but, but for us, I mean, for Chileans, that is cute because we normally have events like a magnitude four and it's like, oh, okay. You barely notice them. But here, a phone point something uh, is, is something that it shapes your house and the houses here are not built with the same building laws that we have in Chile and the same structures and stuff. And so I, I will guess that the houses here shake pretty, pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> we don't <afford. laughs> no, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Ireland um, wouldn't have earthquakes either. So I am mm. completely out of my depth in talking about this. Um, and it's, I, I find it so interesting how, you know, the laws reflect that the threat of an earthquake is always present in Chile, right? That a house needs to be built a certain way in order to protect 
its structural foundation. So I, right. I think that's I think that's so fascinating. And how how often would would Chile get an earthquake? Depends on the magnitude. Which magnitude are you referring to? It might be a good way to um, uh, define what magnitudes we we are possible. Right. So. Chile is very different, like the setting of Chile, the geological setting in Chile is very different from Ireland and it's very different from Canada, the East Coast. Because the West Coast is pretty similar, but the difference is the velocity that these plates uh, are generating uh, or are accumulating this energy in order to generate an earthquake. So in Chile, we have pretty often, um, I will say magnitudes three and four, those happen every day. Also, you need to take into account that Chile is pretty long. So it's, it's roughly, I think, if, if my maps are correct and I, and I remember my geography lessons, <laughs> it's kind of like 6,000, 7,000 kilometers long. So that's a lot of coast. And all that coast has uh, the ability to generate uh, earthquakes. Uh, because of this subduction of the plate. So when, when one plate goes below another one, that generates um, this friction and that generates air slates. So uh, three and four we have mostly every day, I would say. I, I haven't checked the, the website uh, from the National Service, but I will say every day. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine that. I really, truly couldn't. I, there have been a couple of earthquakes that have happened. Like sometimes you feel the aftershocks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have never felt one. I don't plan on feeling one. I really don't want to feel one. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to go to Chile and I'll have to. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> it's not an A for something because then you won't yeah. be able to leave the country for a while. Um, yeah, too big. That, that, that might be too big. But I would say, like, I have a, I have a friend, she's uh, uh, from Spain, and she had an earthquake in Chile when she was visiting Chile, a five point something. And she and her colleague, uh, who was also from Spain, were the only ones at three in the morning in their pajamas and bathrobes um, in the hall of the, of, the, of the hotel, like waiting like, this is an earthquake. Why is no people here running around? And it's like, everyone's just sleeping. I, and that was a five, 5.3, 5 point something. So it was not that big. But that's the thing. I mean, we are it's in our culture, we are uh, adjust to that kind of uh, um, shaking or feeling. Actually a three point something or a four point something, you can actually, um, it's very similar as if in, you are in a construction site and, and a big heavy truck is passing like close to you, that kind of a shaking will be kind of like a four. Oh, so it's like downtown uh, London with all of the construction, with all the with all yes. of the yes. condos being yes. built. Okay, so then yeah, I do know what I feel. So like. so that's that's kind of like so so that's why a three or a four you won't feel it because it's you you can actually can you as a person as a human being cannot actually recognize what is noise, what we call seismic noise, the background, uh, or uh, an actual earthquake. And so for you, it would be like, oh, yeah, shaking. Oh, must be a truck or something. <laughs> unless, unless you're there seated and everything starts moving and it's like, oh, okay, this is. This is 
That is uh, that is so fascinating how it's just become one of these pillars of Chilean culture. Um, and I think this also provides a good segue um, to talk about um, some other things regarding Chilean culture. You know, mm-hmm. being away from home for so long, what is one thing you truly miss uh, from Chile that you don't feel you can get anywhere else in the world? Ramitas. <laughs> okay. And, and, and the Chilean ones will understand me. Uh, ramitas is kind of like a snack uh, that I have only found in Chile. Uh, I found something similar from, I think it was Korea. I want to say it was Korea uh, or Japan. It was a snack that, that tasted similar. Um, and it's, it's a snack made out of, I don't know, like a, a flour, just dough. And it's kind of salty and they have two flavors, salty, which is that kind of like the natural flavor and cheese, which is hideous because uh, when you take them, your your fingers are at the, at the end are like just wrapped in like a like a film uh, of oily kind of a stuff that tastes good and you just like <laughs> taste all your fingers. But those that's one of the snacks that I always miss. And and when I was in Germany, every time someone traveled to Chile and was visiting me, or I was going to to Chile and then back to Germany, I was going to bring like two, like two pounds of those things, like several stuff. But other things that I miss that are not so lame, like snacks or food or stuff like that. I, I don't know. I would say like my family and friends, like being close to them, uh, that's actually what, what I miss the most. And all, I would say some other things I have been able to find them along the way like you kind of like construct them uh so for example we have kind of like a sauce or a dip that you eat or that you put on your bread um that we normally eat in september but we here eat it every year like all year round because i in germany i was the one doing pebre uh, p-e-b-r-e pebre and that's kind of like, um, what's the thing? They, I think the Mexicans have something similar with uh, just tomato, uh, but we have, um, what is it? Aji, um, chili, actually chili. <laughs> we put chili in it. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like spicy, but with flavor. And, and that's something that you eat normally when we, when we do barbecues and stuff. And here we, we just eat it like every, every all year round. Uh, so in Germany, I was the one doing like huge pots of those things. Um, and, and now I just got it at hand, like, okay, we will do that. Bah, 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 bah. 15 minutes and that's done. Um, so mostly I would say food and friends and family, not in that particular order. But <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, and and we weren't holding you to that order either. I I, th- I think that um, when we've conducted these these interviews, um, people often say friends and family the most, um, just because when we're away from home, we start to realize just how integral they are in our lives. Um, now, going from Chile to Germany is not only a very long flight, but we're we're dealing with um, a different culture. What were your experiences initially when you arrived in Germany? Was there some element of culture shock? 
Yes, and that was actually a term that I learned like one year after I was in Germany. I was living already in Germany for a year and I took a kind of like a course uh, on cultural shock. And it was like, what is this thing? Uh, and actually it was like, huh, like was was really like eye-opening to the differences that they were very noticeable, but some other but others were very subtle. Um, so for example, Germany is we Latino people, we are very like a um, like kind of like a skin person. We like to hug. We normally before COVID and before coronavirus and stuff, we normally say hi with a kiss on the cheek. Uh, the girls, um, men will shake hands, but when a guy meets a girl, they will say hi and they will kiss on the cheek. In Germany, that doesn't exist. In Germany, when they are being polite to you, they just say hello. And so they will extend the whole hand, the whole arm, <laughs> like one meter apart, and they will shake your hand. Um, and sometimes not even that. Sometimes it's like just hello, hi. You're there. I'm here. That's that's enough. Um, so that, for example, one of the things I learned. Uh, I was in Germany, and then one month after, my partner went to visit me, and when I hugged him at the door, I started crying. And I was like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "This is the first time in a month that I hug someone, that I have physical contact with someone." And it was crazy. I mean, the realization of that it was super crazy. And of course, the Germans, when they have their own friends and you become part of their circle, uh, which is very hard to be inside their circles, normally you're like around their circles, but when you, when you are there and you become part of their circles, they will hug you, of course, and they're a very friendly person, friendly people. That, that is what strikes you the most, that it might sound that they are like cold people, just because they don't have this kind of skin reactions. Um, but they, they might be very friendly uh, and open. It's just that you have to, there is actually a, a nice uh, analogy in between um, a coconut and an avocado. And the, the amount of time that it takes you to reach the core with a pin. So the Latin American culture it's kind of like the avocado that you can actually kind of like soft so you can just directly go into and then you have to go into the core. But then like the coconut, it's kind of like the Germans that it's very hard on the outside. But once you're in, it's all friendly and stuff and they, they uh, accommodate you. So it wasn't really nice analogy and was like, huh, this is very cool because it's actually like that. Like I have some friends, uh, they are Germans but most of them were um, from other parts of the world. Um, I would say that from the culture. And one of the things that I love the most in, in Germany was how everything is super structured. Like I love that you can actually wait for the bus and in the bus stop, it says this bus goes like at 8.13, at 8.33, at 8.53, and then again at 9.13. So it passes at the, at the three minutes um, every 20 minutes or every half an hour and, and, and you can actually be there with your with your with your um, with your watch and it actually goes at that time except in winter where they had snow and it, everything was crazy but it, it actually went like that and so it's like 
this is great because then you can actually plan and, and, and you see them in the way they behave. Everything is super planned. Everything is very organized since the, since the moment they start their, their day. They have like a certain schedule because if they don't follow that schedule, they will miss the bus. And so that, that brings down the whole tower of things that they have built to do during the day. Um, so I like that very much. And, and I'm mostly because I was like that before even going to Germany. <laughs> so it's that yeah, type A personality. Yeah. That's like probably. rigid and everything's great. It's not like London where you kind of hope and pray that the bus is going to show up maybe on time. And then like, Oh, there's another one down there, but it just totally blows by you. And then yeah, you're screwed. Right. So. <laughs> And, and, and Chile is like that too. So Chile, when they say, oh, it, ha- it, it passes every 15 minutes, but you don't know if it already, <laughs> if the bus already went or it's coming. And at, at what point of my 15 minutes am I? Like, how much do I have to wait? Um, so that, that, that was hideous for me in Chile. Um, in, in Germany, that was a blessing for me. But yeah, so in, in I think, I think that's kind of like a cultural shock. I think that those are the things that struck you the most. And, and from someone coming from Latin America, and I see that from, from friends coming from Latin America, in Germany, for example, having to follow that structured set of rules sometimes, um, it was a lot. They, they say like, this is a lot. I, I cannot, like, I don't like this. I, I, I need some chaos in this. And which I, I also do every once in a while, but I like the structure. <laughs> did you experience any culture shock coming to Canada? Like, did you encounter the stereotype of like a friendly Canadian and like, how are you there, bud? Like, you know. <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, wasn't kind of like the cultural shock that, that is kind of like a punch. Like when I went to Germany, Probably because the Canadian culture is in some way much closer to the Chilean culture or the Latin American culture, probably because of the influence we have with the United States and all North America. So it wasn't like a punch, but it was like a, like a, it still was something. Definitely the, the friendly stuff. Um, that when we arrived and we was just saying, oh, we arrived, I don't know, like a couple of months ago or a couple or half a year, half a year ago or one year ago, they will always say, oh, welcome to Canada. Welcome to Canada. Welcome to Canada. <laughs> like, okay, okay. Saying, welcome to Canada. At some point it become like that. But it, it was very friendly actually. And sadly with this thing with the virus, we have been stuck at home um, for the whole year. So we actually, I haven't had any other sort of experiences that we can say if it was actually a shock or not. So, but definitely, yeah, I would say Canadians are much, much more relaxed than the Germans and maybe not as chaotic as, as the Chileans. <laughs> a little bit more organized. <laughs> Somewhere in between is, Somewhere I guess, the, the middle road we strive towards here in Canada. Now, you, you've had quite the wealth of life experiences. And I always like asking our guests how they feel these experiences have informed, you know, what you want out of life going forward. So 
in your experiences in going to different countries, um, what do you find is the most valuable um, experience that you've had that has informed, you know, what you want going forward? I would say definitely like the diversity. It's, it was something like in, in, that it was to me very clear in Germany, for example, that people could dress however they wanted and nobody was going to say anything to them on the street. While in Chile, you dye your hair of certain color and you will have all the eyes staring at you. You will, you will dress like a, I don't know, like a Lolita girl and they will stare at you and they will call names to you. Uh, they will say something to you. Um, here in Canada, I, I, I must say I, I have a car now, so I don't drive, I don't go into the public uh, bus too often. But while I was using the public transportation, uh, I noticed that also like people was very, like uh, they will dress however they wanted and nothing will happen. And so I will say the experiences that I have, that I have, had in different countries and the opportunities of meeting different people, different cultures, different religions, different uh, skin colors, different ways of thinking, uh, positions in life, political views, uh, all those things, I think is something that it says, says to me, like, I need that. Like, I want to, I want to know and I want to learn all those different views just to have an opinion and saying, oh, you know what? I don't feel comfortable with that view, but I do like this other one. Or um, it's like, oh, that, that is something that I have never thought, like something that I have never been encountered with. Um, and, and I think that is something that you can get it the hard way by traveling and exposing yourself to those different cultures and people and, and, and ways of being. Um, but sadly, sometimes it's something that you don't get just by going on holidays because the going on holidays is kind of like the nice cream, cream, um, not actually being immersed in that culture. Um, but definitely that, that search of uh, all the different things that, that the humans uh, can bring to you. That, that's something that I strive for, yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I, think, that's a, I think that's a fantastic answer. Um, just because, you know, the world is too small, I find nowadays, to, to remain ignorant about certain things. And I, you know, I appreciate your, um, your desire to strive for greater diversity. Um, and that's something that um, is one of the many benefits of living in Canada, as I'm sure you've seen, um, is the access to, um, to such a diverse, um, vibrant uh, community, mm -hmm. both uh, at Western and, and, and in the broader Canadian population. So I, I'm, I'm very grateful for, uh, for that response. Now, Cindy, we are almost out of time. Um, so I would like to ask you if uh, you would like to provide any social media today. Wow, that time does fly. Sure, so I'm very active in Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y underscore Sismologa, S-I-S-M-O-L-O-G-A. Um, I tweet mostly in Spanish, but I do tweet sometimes in English now that I'm here in Canada. And I retweet some things sometimes in French and sometimes in German if you're 
fluent in those languages. <laughs> and I recently have under the same, um, under the same, um, what is it called? Like the name tag, uh, hashtag, I don't know, uh, in, in Instagram, but it's mostly my tag. So, because <laughs> we, are, we are in pandemic, so mostly it's either I, I show you what I'm doing at my computer or I show you the cat. So yeah. <laughs> it's not much. When we when we go out uh, into the field work again, into the field trips and stuff, it will be much more interesting of an account, I think. But at the moment, just like that. <laughs> fantastic. So the, so there's there's access to a number of different social media um, topics uh, that we're covering today. Uh, we wanted to draw this episode to a close. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today. This has been Global Grads episode number five. We've been talking to Cindy, Cindy Morris-Stock, um, who has done her PhD in uh, Germany on natural science and seismology. And if you want to follow us on any of our social media, you can follow us at Gradcast Radio and you can contact us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and have a good day. Thank you.